Good afternoon. Hi there. How are you? Welcome into the Rational Mail 101, episode 32, The 16 Commandments. My name is Pat Campbell, radio talk show host from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I am joined by the godfather of the Manosphere, Rolo Tomasi, the rational male. Rolo, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good, good. Good to be back with you again. Hey, I'm looking at my screen on the uh, the YouTube. I'm not. I got a black screen. Nothing's coming up. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It's fine. Hmm, I wonder if I got to refresh on mine. Maybe I'll. Re- yeah, it's probably on. It's probably on your end. Just usually, just refresh if I see that. There we go. Nope, it's perfect. Yep. It's coming through now. Yeah, it's just a refresh. Cool. All right. So uh, what we want to do today, and we, we've done we've done this on my local program in Tulsa. And uh, by the way, it got a tremendous response on it too. Mm-hmm. But we want to uh, revisit the 16 commandments by Royce. First of all, explain mm-hmm. who he was briefly and, okay. and, and what these are. Okay. As as everyone knows, I'm one of the three R's of the Manosphere. It is Roosh, Royce, and Rolo. Those are the three R's. Royce is, I would say, arguably the most important of the three of us, I think, because he was instrumental in just sort of laying down a lot of what we kind of, I think, take for granted right now um, with respect to the red pill and, and a lot of the... Um, uh, what you call it the it, like intersexual dynamics and game and like, he, he came out back in like the mid to that late 2000s and um i was just prior i came out just a little bit prior to him not with my blog but i was more involved in um uh the so suave forums at that time and roosh was doing his thing we were all kind of doing our separate things and um Royce had you know arguably one of the most influential i think um certainly the most trafficked blog in what would later become the Manosphere. And uh, just recently it's been uh, been taken down back in the end of April. But what happened is Royce was really, he's, he's a very strong writer. Um, he has uh, he has a definite style, a definitive style to to the way he, he, he writes and puts stuff out there. But um, back in 2009, he got uh, doxxed by uh, a, a a woman who was one of almost like a cyber stalker of his, um, who was in his comments. Right. And, um, so I, I'm, and this is, I'm just going by like what I have learned, you know, in, in the, in the past anyways, is that he got docs and he decided that he was going to just sort of, you know, trash can the, uh, the, uh, the blog he had, uh, Royce in DC. And what happened then is, uh, a, f- a few other guys got together and they decided that they were going to, um, you know, save the save the blog. So they wanted right. to rename the blog, and he just wanted to get up and out of it. And uh, I'm nobody really knows why. It might have been his job or something. Uh, but so, anyways, he was out, and um, some other writers came in. And now the rumor has it right now that it's written by three, um, possibly four uh, bloggers who who chime in. And the the nature of the blog really kind of changed. It it went. It was really rooted strongly in game and um, intersexual dynamics. And it kind of leaned over into like um, ethno nationalism and uh, politics, so you know, eth- uh, racial stuff, that kind of stuff. And that's, I, I, if I have to guess, I would say that's probably why it was uh, taken down by WordPress. Real quick, um, real quick, they're only seeing me, not you. Oh, yep. Here we go. There you go. Sorry, my bad. Yep. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. So uh, it's it. Has, so, it's, so it's, one the, old, it's one of the most important. Okay, it's one of the most important blogs. Let's just say it's one of the most important blogs in the sphere. Okay. Uh, the 16 Commandments, and I'm not going to say the the end of that, so we can sort of be like family friendly here. But uh, <laughs> the 16 Commandments. Let's just say they are the 16 Commandments of relationships, uh, un- relationships or understanding women or getting involved in women. Right. And a lot of these things um, 
some of them are kind of self-evident, like you would say, well, yeah, of course. And then a lot of these other ones are, they, they go against the, the com like common, well, I say common sense, but they go, they're counterintuitive is what they are. Um, and it's, I think the most important part when you're reading these, when we go through these right. is to ask yourself, why is it controversial right now? Why is, why is this going to rattle the cages of like, say your listeners or just people who are unfamiliar with this kind of stuff. And the answer to that, or the way to, I think to sort of the filter all of this information through is why is this controversial? Well, it's controversial because we, we are now like two or three generations in to a feminine primary social order. And when you are acculturated and you're socialized in, in this Western kind of feminism or this feminizing, uh, you know, making, making the female, making feminine, you know, things, you know, the gestalt feminine, really, um, the, the measure or the metric by which you interpret things like this. And so that's why it seems outrageous. And that's why, you know, you'll, you'll get a lot of, uh, you'll get a rise out of somebody for talking like this, but right. these, these command commandments are, um, are, are some, at least some of them are really, uh, old school. Like you would, you would think, yeah, duh. Like your grandpa probably, you know, knew this kind of stuff and he didn't think you, he would never write something like this because it's like, there was no reason to write it. That's just how you were raised. Well, now we have a generation where this is like, first of all, it's controversial, but second of all, they, people need to hear this. They need to understand why, you know, why they're in the, the, difficulties that they're in when it comes to the relationships. And it's not just with, you know, your, your girlfriend or your wife, it could be like your sister or your mom or family kind of stuff as well. So it, it has, it has, has variable applications. All right. So I want to go through a couple of these. Let's start with the first one here, by the way, I've broke this one myself in the past, uh, yeah. but it's all, it also, it, it, I, I'm learning that women, you know, we talk about this all the time. Women want to figure you out when you, when you provide them with the answers up front, it robs them of that thrill and it becomes boring. It becomes routine. But the rule number one here, never say, I love you first. Women want to feel like they have overcome obstacles to win a man's heart. So why shouldn't the guy say, I love you first? What's okay. what's, what do you lose if you do that? Okay. Primarily you lose frame. All right. That's a, that's okay. a capitulation of frame. Now, now guys, like if, if you have, if, like guys who are a blue pill condition are going to say, well, you know, if you really love her, you should profess your love to her. And you would say, that's very romantic to say, I love you. And boy, why I can't, of course, then they want to shame you for saying, well, I guess you can't be vulnerable to a woman, huh? I guess you're, you're not uh, secure in your own masculinity, huh? And really what it is, the reason that this is, is should be, well, the reason it is number one rule is it's a capitulation of frame. Um, what it, what happens is it puts you in a necessitous position. Now, remember, I think you and I have talked about the cardinal rule of, um, of relationships, which is right. the person in, uh, with the most power in any relationship is the one who needs the other, the least. And that's where this sort of gets reflected into. So when you say, I love you first, you have sort of made, well, first of all, you made yourself very vulnerable number one. I don't, Second, I don't like that word because to me, I don't that, that connotes, it connotes weakness. Well, it? well, yeah, it is. I mean, let's look it up in the dictionary. You want to look right. it up in the dictionary? It says weakness. Thank you. That's that a vulnerability is weakness. Vulnerability right. is vulnerability. It's not a strength. And I, I would, I would love to do an entire <laughs> show on it. As you know, I get heated yeah. when it comes to this kind of crap, but I could do an entire show of talking about why 
like people's it's one of those kind of what was ryan calls it a container word you can put whatever the hell you yeah. want into the term right. vulnerability and suddenly it's a strength or whatever but if you like gosh when when i was uh watching when i, when I hear he's vulnerable i think pussy that's what you yeah mean. exactly and that's the first thing you think and here's the thing is you as a guy or as a woman you can't help but be if you're going to come together with a with a woman if you're going to have form some sort of relationship that entails some sort of vulnerability because she's going to know what your weaknesses are you're going to know what her weaknesses are and that's you're going to have to either accept those things or you're going to have to break it apart okay vulnerability yes it's going to be a part of your your relationship no matter what it's not a strength it's not something that builds you up it's only something that builds you up if you are predominantly alpha, if you have, if you can predominantly control the frame of that relationship, and then when you are vulnerable, then it's endearing. Then it becomes endearing because then it makes the woman, and this goes back to what what Royce is talking about here. It makes a woman think that she's drawn that out of you. You're this tough, hard ass guy for a very long time, and that's your predominant character. Mm -hmm. And then when something happens like maybe you know your dog dies or your your dad something you know something happens and you're at you're at a moment of weakness and you can show that you can sort of like be comfortable enough to emote i guess in mm -hmm. front of her then if she feels like okay he trusts me it's it's something that becomes more endearing it's the beauty and the beast thing right the guy is this you know he's this this horrible beast and women want to feel as if they have tamed the savage beast right with their intuition and this is another quote i that i have which is um there's nothing more satisfying to a woman than to imagine that she has figured a guy out based on her intuition or her mm -hmm. mythological intuition and the reason i i put that out there is because that's a tool that something guys can use is to say you know what if you if you're playing the game with her if you're going to play along into this whole thing rather than you know like i always say women want to play the game they don't want to be told that they are playing the game right so when you can be when you can you know be at a moment where you where you're overcome with emotion or something like that right if she's the one the only one that can tame the savage beast if she's the only one that you do that for it makes her feel more special but it only makes her feel more special if your predominant character is like alpha. More, more alpha right because right. if you're wearing your emotions on your sleeve and you believe that vulnerability is your strength then that becomes your predominant character and so you end up being this kind of emo like po poet you know this 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 tortured artist kind of thing and that's cool for a little while as long as you have other ways to like offset that like there are certain women who get off on the the tortured artist archetype but right. that gets old after a while and particularly it's fun when you're having short-term sexual relations with a woman and you're like this tortured musician or something but in the long term you become a burden and it's too easy to get that out of you. You become a pussy. You become that kind of thing. So that's part of why you don't say I love you first is so that you me, are maintaining that. Go ahead. Let me play the advocate with this one. Okay. okay. Is it is it is it time sensitive? By that I mean, does it matter what stage of life you're in? For example, we've talked to a lot of guys that are 40 and older mm -hmm. who've been divorced, they're back out there in the dating scene. And and chances are they're probably gonna wind up dating somebody who's been through a marriage or two themselves. And you know, a woman, although she may feel it, she's gonna be reluctant to say it because she's been burnt two times before. What ground does the guy lose by saying it first? Uh, well, because a woman is going to expect you to be predominantly the, like the dominant, you know, personality in that relationship. 
and because it's the ex expectation of competency. Okay. So when you are, that's, that's the, that's sort of the point of no return, right? When you say, I love you, you're the, the, when, when one stupid fool says, I love you, what is the other one supposed to say? Right. And she's supposed to say, well, I love you too. Right. Well, if she's not saying that you've just put yourself out there and you've pretty much given away everything. That's the thing is like, like I tell guys it's all the time. Well, okay. You want that one because it's also, I should say this as well. It's also an indicator of genuine desire. Right. So if you have not said, I love you first and she does, that is a capitulation to your frame. And that is, she has genuine desire. She's the one who's, who is uh, making herself vulnerable first right. because it shows that she wants to have. Now, this is if a woman is genuinely feeling this. Okay. I'm not saying that some women don't use this as sort of a manipulation tactic. Right. You know, I love you. You know, that kind of stuff. How about a compromise? Can I say I lust you? Will that work? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, one? you're going to love, you're going to, I've got a, um, I've got a, I've got a, uh, I've got a post in my drafts folder right now and it's okay. called In Defense of Lust. In Defense. There yeah, you go. Everybody's going to love that one. I love it already. Just the title. Yeah, I lust you. I lust you. I so whoever, what, whoever says it first loses. Or well, loses no, frame. You, can you okay. get frame back? Well, not necessarily, but I was just say it puts you in a weaker position, right? It's like who comes to the table first? And I hate to call it, you know, a negotiation because that's, you know, that's where we, the way that we look at it. You can't negotiate genuine desire. So. It needs, she needs, when a woman says, I love you first, it's because she's come to it on her own. It's not because she's been forced into it. It's not because she has, she's, she has to actually feel that to want to, because remember women are the primary selectors in, well, for most of their lives, let's say they're the primary sexual selectors. Men display, women choose, right? Well, when a woman chooses and she wants this guy to, to know that she chooses him and she chooses to enter into his world. She chooses to enter into his frame and uh, wants to be a part of his family. And, you know, as Steve Williams says, take his name, you know, um, it makes him the prize. So she's qualifying herself to him. And there's no greater qualifier than saying, I love you. You know, I love you, you know, as if waiting for it to come back. Um, my okay this is gonna be really cool when I, um, long here too. yeah i know i know long. i was gonna say is like when, it, when a woman says she loves you just say yeah i'm fond of you too <laughs> <laughs> i i that, that, no i sort of like you too or i, I sort of yeah i, I got I'm a little bit of a crush really really too. really fond of you too <laughs> <laughs> all right now uh, number two make her jealous you say flirt with other women in front of her is this applicable if you're single or single and married because uh, I, I would think that if you're married this could be a problem okay so these are like one of the reasons why I think that the 16 commandments are so influential that they need to be like enshrined on, you know, etched in stone somewhere right. is because there's so much more to them than just the little quick short paragraph that goes, goes right. along with them. Right. Um, what this is all about is dread. Okay. And what, sorry, read it one more time. The, the second so it says, make her jealous. It says flirt make with other women in front of her. Do not dissuade other women from flirting with you. Women mm. will never admit this, but jealousy excites, excites them. It arouses right. uh, them. You and I have talked about this as well. And another, another hot topic that I got in, tr in trouble for was that women cannot feel love for you until they feel jealousy for you. And they, the reason for that is because there has to be some sense of of loss. Like if you, if your, your attention 
has to be valuable to her. If your attention is not valuable to her, she's not going to say, I love you first, first of all. And then second of all, um, she she will feel no sense of loss. So it's just her doing her thing, you doing your thing. Maybe you come together for a, a night or two and then you go, go your separate ways. That's not a relationship. That is not her um, entering into your frame. And so what what happens is when you are open when when like a lot of guys don't have an opportunity for social proof they don't have an opportunity for pre-selection like we were saying before women select men or excuse me yeah women select men display um there are very few for most guys there's very few chances for them to actually show that they have some sort of status or that a woman will recognize so especially when you're married Right when you're married, you're you're living with that person, and there's that familiarity that's in between the two of you. Familiarity so breeds contempt. breeds contempt, right? And okay, and why does it breed contempt? Well, because she's got you figured out, because you're predictable, because women want a women want a man that other men want to be, and other women want to have sex with, right. and because that's social proof. That's that's saying you know that's pre-selection is what that is. Is other once she's got you figured out, yeah. it's, it's, okay. it's now it's boring. The excitement's okay. gone. There's there's two there's two things that are, that are going on in here as well. He's also he's talking about two things. Uh, it's active dread and passive dread. Uh, another mm -hmm. another topic we could probably do a whole show on. Um, the active dread part, I I'm I advise guys to sort of you know shy away from that because it's it it borderline it borders um. Uh, ultimatums and ultimatums are declarations of powerlessness but the most powerful form of dread really is passive dread and that's third party dread when you're not actively trying to fish for you know a attracting somebody or getting out there with that person um like flirting with the waitress at your table or something if you're if you're actively doing that that's active dread that's like that's overt in your face kind of dread like if you you know this chick likes me and you can see that and i'm with another girl like most guys won't use dread because they'll say, oh, she'll leave me because they're beta and they have a scarcity mentality. But the, they're the optionless. best, yeah, they're optionless. But the best form of, of dread really is, is passive dread or soft dread. And what that is, is like if you're somewhere and her girlfriend say, man, uh, you know, Roll is looking really hot today or, or Pat, man, gosh, you're so lucky to be married to a guy like Pat. Mm, you know, and if she's getting that from her girlfriends or from outside sources, that inspires passive dread. There's nothing there. The number one tool in your you know, game toolbox is a woman's imagination. And that's where this is rooted in. Gotcha. All right, let's go to number three. You shall make your you shall make your mission, not your woman, your priority. In priority. other words, mm -hmm. concentrate on yourself, not on her. Elaborate on that one. That's your mission. That I'm, you know, I'm almost I'm torn. Uh I think this probably should have been number one. <laughs> really? Uh yeah, yeah, because <sighs> This is this is what happens is because guys are blue pill conditioned they they don't make themselves their own mental point of origin. The woman's so, the prize. The woman is the prize. Womankind is the prize. So when you're a little boy and you're five years old and you get um, affirmation from mommy and from all your female teachers throughout your life, uh, when little girls, you know, when you're a useful tool to a little girl and you carry her, your, you know, her books home from school or whatever, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, you learn that at a very early age, and so that when you get to the age where you are a young man and you should have these ambitions and you should move on from where you're at and you should you have every right to to 
give yourself permission to to ruthlessly pursue your passions and ruthlessly pursue your your ambitions and what you, you know those are the things that make you attractive or they will eventually make you attractive later on once you have uh, achieved a lot of a, a lot of these things guys don't give them they they prioritize a relationship or they prioritize women's approval above themselves above their ambition above their own desire because they aren't their mental point of origin they're, and by that i mean they're not their first thought when it comes to a decision making process so you hear these guys who say well i moved across the country or i'm shit i moved across the globe so that i could go uh you know live with my my long distance girlfriend and happily ever after or uh, I moved or I, I changed uh, my major or I changed my university so that I could um, be, closer be closer to her or I changed something about my I changed my religion right I changed something about myself like a core element of myself and I gave up my own ambitions and my own draw you know my drive for myself so that I could facilitate a relationship because men are taught to to put it's, relationships are hard work right to put that relationship to put that everything into their their woman and they don't and they make her the focus and i've always said this a woman should never be the folk or was it a, a woman should only ever be a compliment to your life she should never be the focus, the focus. of okay. your life here, here, here's the problem with this though especially with millennials and i don't mean to pick on them but you see so many guys 30 and under they have no choice but to make her the focus because they don't even know where they want to go they're rudderless they they have no real ambition no no destination they're just going around in circles right. so it's very easy for them to make her and concentrate on her and at the same time you know they're losing ground because other guys other guys are improving themselves right right and and you know again these are kind of like these bonehead obvious things that like your grandfather would just be disgusted with you if you if you <laughs> you know yeah. you made this woman like your your everything and again like the reason that's that actually one of the things that says you, you should never tell her that she's your everything it says mm -hmm. you must respect the women's integrity and not lie to her that she is your everything she is not your everything and if she is she will soon not be anymore anymore yep well and then the reason why is that because women need a guy who has other things going again she wants she wants your ambition she wants your passion she wants your drive for yourself to be what what you're all about and she mm. wants to again she wants to enter into your world if you don't have that world and she is your world mm. then your world ends up falling apart when she's out of it and that's how guys get zeroed out you're gonna be the next because, Anthony Bourdain exactly they're, they're, or my my brother-in-law right yeah they they these are the kinds of guys and it's not just millennials because my 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 brother-in-law certainly wasn't a millennial but it's guys who who believe that Disney one-eyed soulmate crap and they they focus and center everything they build a life around her they build a life around you know the happily ever after mm -hmm. like my my brother-in-law before he killed himself was building literally building a house with his hands like bought the land was was reconstructing this place and doing this this renovation and everything doing everything he could for the moment that when the kids were gone off to college that he would have his wife at this place and that and and put himself into this right and when that's when the when the rug is pulled out from under you that's when you get zeroed out that's when you lose everything because she is your everything and so not only is it that not only is it dangerous because she you know if 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 she's the one if she's your everything if you're if she, if she is your only option again hypergamy is based on doubt 
So she's going to be saying, well, if I can get this guy and I'm his whole world, then who else can I get, right? Who right. Uh, can I can I do better? And so when that is whipped out from under him, not only does he lose the woman, he loses his entire world. That's why it's important to, to make your mission your focus. All right. Number four, don't play by her rules. This is sort of you know controlling the frame. If you allow a woman to make the rules, she will resent you. Mm -hmm. And it says the strongest women in and the most strident feminists still intuitively want to be led by and to submit to, and here's the key, a powerful man, a more powerful man. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, that's, I, I think that's, this is pretty self-evident right here. Um, if you've ever read anything from, or, or listened to anything from uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he is really strong when it comes to intersexual dynamics. He almost entirely focuses on dominance hierarchies. And mm -hmm. I, yes, I know he's changed his tune a little bit to competence hierarchies. And in, Incompetence. Like women look for competence in men. They're. I mean, it, women would very much love to have the guy who who looks like Brad Pitt is in fantastic shape. Is funny. Is he's like the the whole package, right? He has right. he has he has pre selection. Um, you're lucky to have him. He's like one to two steps above that woman in uh, SMV. Because why would she? Why would she? Why would you want anybody that's even at her own? sexual market value level why would she want that she wants something that's better you're always looking for a better deal that's Upgrade. that's why yeah and that's why that's what hypergamy is all about it's yeah. finding the better the better than merited deal yeah. and so if you are not um if you're not that if you're not competent if you right. guys will always say I, I think a lot of guys sort of lose their minds about this because they think well if that's the way a woman is then i'm just gonna i'm gonna opt out of the game and i'm done because i'll never be that guy there's always there's always a bigger fish right there's always a bigger and better dude well yeah but you have to put that into the context of what can the, the woman that you're with what can she mm. get what can she realistically get and what do you bring to the table that off like maybe you have deficits what do you bring to the table with strengths that offset those deficits right and we don't think about it in those terms everybody's and this one thing i really really hate about um uh twitter and and the online sphere just in general is everybody focuses on binary extremes like that's like it's the apex fallacy writ large for everybody is like well you know brad pitt will just come along and he'll steal my woman and he'll he'll take her and, and impregnate her and i'll be screwed and i'm out no that's no that's not going to happen okay because you if you're bringing value to the table if you're bringing competency to the table then that's what a woman is looking for. If, she, mm -hmm. if you're the most powerful guy, if you're the the best that she can get, if you're answering that hypergamous doubt, if you're the best that she can get, then no, she's not going to do that. She's going to she's going to focus her her energies and her efforts on you mm -hmm. so long as you're maintaining that. So yes, they want to default to that, but also think about think about it in terms of competency. And you have to be a guy who is competent at a lot of different things. So that means you got to fix a car, you got to go to the gym, you got to earn a living, you got to be a good father. You got, I mean, think about all of the checklists that you have right. to have. And I'm saying you'd have to have every single one, but you have to at least be somewhat competent in a lot of different things. And that is what is meant by submitting to a powerful man. Submitting to a competent mm -hmm. man is really what it should be. Says uh, she wants somebody that's strong, solid, unshakable, and immovable. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, let's get to number five, the golden ratio. This is the one that got you in so much uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hot water on, on my show. It says, give your woman two-thirds of everything she gives you. For every three calls or text messages, you give two back. 
Three declarations of love, earn two in return. Three gifts, two nights out. Give her two displays of affection and stop until she's answered with three more. When she speaks, you reply with fewer words. When she emotes, you emote less. The idea behind the golden ratio is twofold. It establishes your greater value by making her chase you, and it demonstrates that you have the self-restraint to avoid getting swept up in her personal drama. Refrain from reciprocating everything she does for you in equal measure. It instills in her the proper attitude of belief in your higher status, in her deepest loins. I love that. It is what she, what she, what she truly wants. This mm -hmm. infuriated female callers, listeners on the radio station, because it, they, they said, wait, 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 is he, is he keep a spreadsheet on his wife. How right. does this work? Right. This, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, is, is a guy and, and, you know, former trad con, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost, I, I don't know, maybe because my age, I don't have time for games like this. Right. Okay. Well, here's the thing is if you are if you're a natural alpha if you're a guy right. who has you know you're you're lucky with the ladies right you're not actually lucky you just you won you were lucky as far as the genetic lottery was concerned if you are a natural with women you don't think about things like this you don't think about like um who keeps a spreadsheet that's just game that's just right. manipulations that's just playing games right i don't have time for games well of course you don't because you're already doing it and you don't realize that you're doing it because what happens is if a, if a guy is is a natural alpha, if he's a natural guy that, that women are naturally attracted to, um, he's 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 actually doing that. He's not he's not calling her. It's not like it's not tit for tat. Right. It's not like I'll, I'll call you. You call me that it's it's not like that at all. He has his own life. He's doing his own thing. She has to follow after him, just like in the in the previous uh, rule after that or before that. Um, the woman wants, has a genuine desire for that guy and she wants to follow along and she wants to follow into that guy's frame. Well, what that guy is doing is exactly what this rule is doing. He's just doing it unconsciously. And that's where people lose this is they think that if you are consciously playing that game, then you are a manipulator and that you, there is something wrong with you because you're keeping, you're keeping score, right? Well, okay. She gave me two, she gave me three kisses. I give her two. Uh, well, here's the thing is, is guys who are above a woman in sexual market value and they have other options this kind of ratio is going to is going to manifest itself anyways so it's not like when we bring it up and we we expose the two-thirds rule it seems right. horrible and it seems like ma manipulative right but most people will do like guy in, if you're in a natural relationship where a woman like you know seeds her you know, her authority to that guy, the guy gets headship. Let's just put it in a religious sense here. Right. If the man has a, a natural headship and she's following after and she's, she submits into her role as a woman, um, that's going to naturally, she wants this. Women want this ratio because remember what we were saying before, she wants to draw that out of you. Just like when you don't say, I love you in, in the beginning, she wants to draw that out of you. She wants to think that she has earned that from you. Now, you and I have also talked about how some guys will self-deprecate automatically. They will always go, oh, I love you, honey, or I, I can't believe that my wife would go out with a schmuck like me, right? The, 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 you talk, we talk about the politicians who do that all the time. Now, that's the opposite of this rule. That's the guy who's giving out three for every two that she has because she's the prize. He's not the prize. And what happens is women feel again, they feel self-satisfied when they believe that they have drawn you out. Like they're the only, they're the only one with the magical feminine power to get you to, to emote just to her. And it's a gift. It's a reward to that woman because here's this guy who she sees as being at least one step above her in sexual market value. And he's got other things going 
and he can't he doesn't have the time to give her uh you know one kiss for one kiss he is off doing his own thing he comes back and you know and, when, when and you, has a relationship when you, and goes off and do his other thing because when he you has say that mission what Go when ahead. you say that the reward thing that's another trigger with female listeners oh, they because it, it makes mm -hmm. he, Rolo talks about us like we're puppies being trained. Here's your, here's your treat. You know, mm -hmm. they, the, the reward thing triggers them. It's like the word feral. Mm -hmm. When you say that, it's like, oh <laughs> man, it's just off. The yeah. Well, you know, and I used, I use terms like that where if I say that women like men love idealistically and women love opportunistically, I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm not saying that to say, oh, you guys are all gold diggers. Or I'm not saying that at all. It's just the only, it's the only term that comes with it. And unfortunately, opportunism has a negative connotation to it. Mm. Women are naturally opportunistic when it comes to their love. They have to be. They have to look for the the best thing for themselves because their lives are are intimately connected with who it is that they get with, or if they get with somebody at all, mm. um, because that that uh, that's. I know sets the tone or sets the frame for their lives. Well, am I going to have kids? Am I going to have a, a stable family? Am I going to do these kinds of things or am I not going to do that? So when, when women get really upset, when I say feral, that's another one of those connotations. I'm just saying that there's a naturalistic base nature to women. And sometimes they switch back into that. And so when we say the two thirds rule, remember what I told you before is that women want to play the game and they don't want to be told about the game. Right. Okay. When you start outlining the two thirds rule, you are showing them the game. You are, and it's ugly, and they hate it, and they hate me, and they hate you, and they hate everybody who opens this up. But you know what? Because they hate it, because they know that that's their nature. They know that they want to submit to a powerful man. They know that they want to submit to a guy who's competent and has his his own life goal. All of this, every every rule here dovetails into the other rules. Right. So, if a guy is his own mental point of origin, if he has his own direction, he's not going to have the time to say, okay, I got two or three or whatever. Oh, she gave me two hugs. I got, oh, I got to call her because I owe her a call. Nobody's, no, that's not happening because you've internalized this already. It's just what you do naturally as a dominant guy who has his own life and is, has his own direction. She wants to follow after that because she wants to submit to a worthy guy. And that's in there as well. Okay. The next one, uh, number six, keep her guessing. And uh, this, I, I do this all the time, just like intuitively, not only with women, but with my kids, just people in general. People that ask questions, it says, true to their uh, their nature, women ask questions they don't really want direct answers to. It mm -hmm. says, woe be the man who plays it straight. His fate is the suffering of, uh, of the beta. Evade, mm -hmm. tease, obfuscate. She thrives when she has to imagine what you're thinking about her and withers when she knows exactly how you feel. This has been mm -hmm. one thing I've learned talking to you, all the programs we've done, especially for people that have been married or in a, in a relationship for a long time. The longer you're together, all of that mystery is gone. I don't, there's mm -hmm. nothing, there's nothing mysterious about you. I got challenge you all figured mm -hmm. out. It's boring and, and, and the excitement's gone. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That's why you see the great divorce and everything yeah. else is going on. I'm going to quote Pook here. You don't know who Pook is, but I'll tell you, Pook, uh, perfect is boring. If you're the perfect boyfriend, you're boring. Remember, women have a need for indignation. You might as well be the one that's giving her that indignation because if you don't, she's going to go find it elsewhere. She's going to find it through her friends. She's going to find it through daytime talk shows. She's going to find it through literature. She's going to find it. She's going to find it watching Aquaman. That's what's going to that's what's going to happen, okay? She's going to find some reason to because that because women thrive on indignation. They need the dopamine hit that comes from indignation. Don't, you know, 
I should probably explore this a little bit more. I have one, um, I have one post called indignation where I, I look into this a little bit, but I, I'm almost certain there's probably some evolutionary reason why women need indignation. Uh, so when, when you might as well be the one that's giving her to that, don't deny her you being a challenge. Now I'm going to go all Shrek on you here. You need to be an onion, right? You need to be, uh, she needs to peel you away layer by layer. When if, in the old school, in the old school pickup artist uh, community, it was always, if you wanted to be a good conversationalist with a woman, if you wanted to like mm -hmm. do an effective seduction, you had to be someone that she wanted to unravel. You had to be someone that, you, I have another post, it's called breadcrumbs, right? And what breadcrumbs is, is you just give her just enough information to draw her in. And she, she thinks she's figuring you out, but you are playing the game back with her by drawing her in. And so, and again, this is just in a seduction. This is not like a long-term thing. This is just like a guy meets a new girl, girl meets a new guy, and they're getting, coming together. Now, all of that goes away once you have familiarity. Um, when you study another reason why you don't live with another woman, with a woman, unless you're going to marry her. And even after that, even if, even if you've been with a woman for like, say a year, whether you're married or whatever, she knows what your farts smell like, right? She knows how you brush your teeth. She knows when you, you know, she knows when you go to the bath, she knows what you look like, you know, when you're having sex, you know, that right. kind of stuff, you're, that, that kind of intimacy. And so that's all great and it's fun and it's comfortable and and if you can still keep it romantic hey great but the thing is is comfortable is boring comfortable is boring perfect is boring predictable is boring mm -hmm. and so that's that's one of the hardest things like i i had a guy who tweeted me just this morning and he said um that his wife had just mentioned something about how she doesn't even know who he is anymore because he started going to the gym started dressing better did his hair differently been reading my books been uh i I don't know if whether he's running, you know, game like married game or something on her right now, but she has said that she doesn't even know who he is anymore. Um, That's passive dread, though. But at, at his past, exactly that is passive dread. She's picking up on that, and why is she picking up on that? Because she's lost a degree of control over the guy. So now he's not predictable, and that's that's exciting for a woman, but it's also jarring for her as well. Because now he has the potential to become someone that she can't control, and mm -hmm. someone that she, uh, that is, I'm, I'm sure, like a lot of a lot of couples would do this. Like if one if one person in that couple like starts going to the gym and getting in better shape, yeah. the other one will try to either pull that other one back, or she'll get she'll go into fits of depression, or or vice versa. Usually, when a woman decides that she's going to go hit the gym after she's been, you know. Semi she's already checked out. She's already she's checked out, man. She, she's already gone. So, um, so those are those are kinds of things that that relate to to this rule. That you know, we've talked about that with uh, numerous uh, callers on the program. That's the one thing guys miss. If you're if you're a guy and you're I don't know, thirty five or older, and you've been married to a woman or living with a woman for a good amount of time. If all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody who has never been into the fitness lifestyle all of a sudden develops that. That that is that's it's a warning sign. In fact, at that point, it might even be too late for you because she's she's checking out. She's probably got her eyes on somebody already. She's making herself better so that she's going to have more value once she shakes you off. Yeah, and guys guys don't get that. They you know they're like oh until it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. All right, uh, number six. Keep, oh, we did keep her guessing, right? Okay, yeah. number seven. Always keep two in the kitty. I love this one. Never allow yourself to be a kept man. A man mm -hmm. with options is a man without need. It says it builds confidence and encourages boldness with women. If there is another woman, a safety net to catch you in case you slip and risk a breakup, divorce, or lost prospect, leading to the loneliness in a grinding dry spell. 
Mm-hmm. Talk, talk about this though too, even you know, with respect to married guys. You're not you're not saying that you got to go out, you know, and have multiple affairs, no. but that there's other options out there, and that she should know she's not the only game in town. Right, exactly, and this is exactly what I mean when I say spin more plates, because spinning more plates and uh, having options, um, the the two in the kitty thing right here, that's just having more options. That's having other other proven options. Um, I you I know you're a fan of Lycus 101, so I'm going to go Lycus on you here. Sure. Um, it, you need to have those options so that if if you're pursuing another plate and that doesn't go anywhere, then you've got two more on speed dial to to you know to have sex with or to be with or whatever. You know, if you're a Christian guy and you don't believe in premarital sex, you still owe it to yourself to date non-exclusively. Uh, and that's all this really comes back to is 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 non-exclusivity. Why do you want to be that way so you don't get caught up in uh, one itis, you don't get caught up in the soulmate crap. Um, so that if one doesn't work out, well, like th- that's the thing is it teaches you that if you, if you can do like most guys, like guys who are, are naturals, uh, and, and they have, you know, like multiple girlfriends. It's like, remember in, um, remember in the breakfast club when, um, Claire goes through Bender's uh, wallet and she's looking at his, the girls in his wallet and he goes, uh-huh. are all these your girlfriends? And he looks at me and goes, some of them I consider girlfriends, and some of them I consider friends. <laughs> and that's and, and that's all he left it at. I mean, it's like that's like 80s game right there. Here, here, here's the thing with, with, with options, though. And think mm-hmm. of it this way. Somebody who's worked uh, you know, for a shop or for a company for like 20, 25 years, out of the blue, they get laid off, or you know, the company's the company's going out of business. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do because they don't have an up-to-date resume. They haven't networked right. any of that stuff. That, that's mm-hmm. that's what the married guy. You should ask yourself, okay, if my wife all of a sudden left me tomorrow or died, what would I do? What are my options? Right. Then that again, that we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of this list here is making yourself your mental point of origin. So you have to be the one that women want to get with and other guys want to be. That is, this should be encouragement for you to, to to make the most of yourself and to be the best version of yourself. Um, but the thing is, is, is confidence is derived from options. It's having, it's having options, actionable options. And it's also having the understanding that, you know, that you can generate other options. And this, this is not just about interpersonal relationships it's about anything. So if you're a guy who has had a lot of, you, you have a lot of money and suddenly you don't have any money. Well, you know, that you have been able to generate money in the past because right. you're you're uh, innovative. You are you can improvise very well. You're creative. You've you've proven to yourself that you are a proven commodity and you can make things happen for yourself as well. So you're you're not getting zeroed out because you know that you can spring back from that. Guys who don't have that get zeroed out and they kill themselves. So when your woman becomes your all and she's the only thing in your life and you have that scarcity mentality because you, um, this is called uh, strategic pluralism theory, guys who are lower SMV tend to focus on one girl or one reproductive option. Whereas men who are have higher SMV go and look for multiple options because they can explore those options. And they are the, they're tend to be, uh, less prone, I guess, to um, to one itis or the soulmate myth. Whereas guys who are lower SMV tend to focus, put all their they they believe in what's called relational equity. They think that because they've invested so much in a relationship, that a woman will appreciate that, and it will be something that can overcome hypergamy, or it'll be something that can overcome uh, the sexual marketplace. And they are in for a rude awakening, particularly in a global sexual marketplace. But so. 
confidence is derived from those options. Like you were saying before, you don't go and ask for a raise or you don't go and, and talk to your boss about you know your, your work conditions or something unless you have another job already lined up. I mean, think about it. That's just how we do it. That's how I pretty, when I was working in the corporate world, that's how I did. I got every raise I ever got was because I said, I'm going to go over here and work for this guy. What do you got? You know, work with me here because I already had that option available to me and I could go move on. So we well, that's okay in the work world, but that's not okay in the relationship world. I don't think so. So you need to spin more plates and it's not just about having sex with as many people as you possibly can. It's about having options. It's about resisting um, uh, the soulmate myth. It's a resisting of that scarcity mentality. All right, let's get to number eight. This is another one that just got everybody infuriated when we brought it up on the program. Say you're sorry only when absolutely necessary. In fact, you said, you, you said you've got a rule where you limit yourself to two sorries per relationship. Per Let relationship. me read it. Right? No, well, says, that, that's, a, that's a Roycey rule. That's what, you'll, says, you'll read it here. Okay. Do not say you're sorry for every wrong thing you do. It is a posture of submission that no man should reflexively adopt, no matter how alpha he is. Apologizing increases the demand for more apologies. Think about that, right? And she will come to expect your contrition, like a cat expects his meal at a set time each day, and then your value will lower in her eyes. Instead, if you've done something wrong, you should acknowledge your guilt in a glancing way without resorting to the actual words, I'm sorry. Pull the Bill Clinton maneuver and say, I love this. Mistakes were made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's got to be one of my Mistakes were made. Yeah. Or, or tell her, I, or, I feel bad about what I did. See, mm -hmm. that's not really admitting you're that's sorry. It's not an apology. It's just yeah, like, you, it, I feel bad for what yeah, I did. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I'm, I'm sorry it upsets you. And mm -hmm. that's really not an apology either. That's a non-apology, right? Right, right. Because it says, uh, and you are granted two freebie I'm sorry for the life of your relationship. Use them wisely, my friend. Mm -hmm. Well, the the key to this is understanding what you should be sorry for and what you should not be sorry. What what deserves an apology and what does not? Um, and that's where guys lose. Okay, it. Can we give you some examples. Concrete okay, examples. well, well, the, why? Okay, again, we're going to ask why. Why is this even a rule? Why is that even uh, controversial to like say your listeners or any well, any woman really? Mm -hmm. Uh, because they want contrition. That's it's a it's a form of control. It's genuine contrition. Genuine. You know, grow, growing up Catholic, when you go to confession, you're not mm -hmm. only supposed to be sorry for your sins. You're supposed to be genuine. You have to have genuine contrition for your sins. Yeah, I mean, you have to beat yourself up, right? Um, but so, <laughs> no. like, but look at okay. And I hate to use politics, but I'm going to use politics here. Donald Trump doesn't apologize for anything because never. he knows that it's you never do that. Yeah. What happens to what happens to celebrities? when uh, a social justice warrior mob comes up and and you know runs them up the flagpole for something that they said right. or uh, maybe it's a me too kind of thing uh, like Kavanaugh did the same thing Kavanaugh was very obviously oh, very contrition there you there it is right and he apologized because it it never ends it it's all it is is it's a confirmation for that person for what they've been saying about you now if you apologize for it you're basically saying got me you know mea culpa right i you know i agree with you and it doesn't end there guys think and well in politics and in social circles if you apologize that that's going to be the end of it and they're going to like everybody is like a genuine actor or they have they're acting in some some frame of honesty and they're not and you have to you have to sort of weigh what is worth apologizing for in a relationship with a woman than what and, and figure out what isn't most guys because they are uh 
they're necessitous because they're beta, because they're mm -hmm. blue pill, because they have a scarcity mentality, because they don't make themselves their mental point of origin, because they made that woman their mission, it is natural for them to well, which, say, which, I'm which, sorry, I'm sorry. Which you guys apologize? Me. Give, me, give, me, give me some example. For example, if, if, mm -hmm. if you know, um, if you've uh, maybe, maybe spoken to her harshly, if you've made her cry, when you, where, where, where am I supposed to apologize for? Well, I mean, I, I understand that if you, if you are deliver, well, like if you're getting drunk and you are saying things when you're drunk, then maybe that's something that you want to apologize for. Maybe that's, you know, cause you're out of your mind or you're not thinking yeah. you're not, you're, you're, you're under the influence. So you're not making good judgment calls. So maybe that's, maybe that's something, but I think that it again, it's, it depends on what it is that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So what, what's worth it? Well, see, most women will say, well, you know, if you can't apologize, that means you're insecure and you're masculine. No, it doesn't. It just means that I am thinking about things the way that I'm intended to say something mm -hmm. and the way that you are reacting to it. And now because you're in my frame and because I am, I have myself as my own mental point of origin. Now I have the prerogative to say you're acting silly. That's not what I meant. You know, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm just saying you interpreted that wrong or mistakes were made, right? <laughs> or you can, you can euphemize stuff. And, and I'm not saying, and even Royce here says, you know, you still can say, I'm sorry, but you only get so many of those. It's not that you shouldn't apologize for things that are, you know, genuinely something that you would need to apologize for. It's just that most guys think they need to apologize for anything. Like if a woman takes your words the wrong way and she gets upset and she cries or whatever, like, is it your fault for saying what you've said or is it her fault for interpreting it in a way that you didn't intend? Nowhere is that more true than the texting world. I tell you, we, oh, we yeah. talked about this yeah. before. It's, you, I, can put, I can text you know, two, three sentences and I guarantee you it can be misinterpreted. I guarantee right. you. Right. Well, and then guys, will think, if I send it to you or another guy, you're going to go, you're going to think exactly what I thought. Right. Well, guys are going to watch this and they're going to say, well, I can't believe he says don't apologize for anything. I'm not saying don't apologize for anything. Okay. What I'm saying is that because you are the primary player in your relationship, because you are the dominant, confident, competent male in your relationship, you are the one that gets to decide how it is that she, like what your intent is and right. how she interpreted that intent. And most guys won't give themselves permission to do that because that woman is the primary. That woman is the one that they, is their all. It's their soulmate. And God forbid they actually ever offend their soulmate. It's okay to offend your, your significant other. If it's something, and not just to be a jerk, but just like, if it's something that you feel strongly about if it's something that is like may, maybe you're doing this maybe you're saying hey look you're, you're giving her some personal advice here's a here's a woman you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with I, I would i would say that she you know we always say women want honesty but they never want full disclosure well mm -hmm. you at least should be honest with her and say hey look you could do this better in your life or you know um we need to work on that this part of our relationship in in, in some way and if she gets upset about that that's not something that you're going to apologize for because you are you have a you have a genuine vested interest in her because you love her because you're in a relationship with her. She's taken that as as you know 
something that she either misinterprets or she can't handle the truth that you're giving to her. Never apologize for the truth. Never apologize for the truth. Here's, here's part of the problem with, with guys, because so many of us have been brainwashed with the, the egalitarian you know, concept that we're equal, right? Yeah. You think that you can talk to a girl or a woman the same way you talk to a guy and you can't. No. Because it's, especially when it comes to emotional issues. I, I, I use the line from the devil's advocate. It's, it's, it's like a butterfly's wings. Once touched, never gets off the ground. They, mm. they, they can look tough. They can act tough. But deep down inside, especially if they're really feminine, they're, they're, they're going to be easily injured by something that wouldn't even make either one of us blink. Right. Because guys have been conditioned to treat women with kid gloves because if mm. they don't, then they don't get any. Right. If they don't invest everything, if they don't support, if they if they're not the supportive good listener, if they're not the if they're not living for women and womankind, then you're a jerk. And then of course women love jerks, but they're not gonna say that. You know, whenever a woman says, Oh, you ask a woman, say, What do you want in a guy? She's gonna tell you all the things that she's attracted to. Right. She's not gonna tell you about the arousal side. She's gonna talk to you about all the attractive side of things. And so what guys do is they they try to embody that because they think that that's what's going to get them to sex. So uh, as part of that, they ask that question. They say, what do you want? So they try to, to build themselves up and, and become her ideal, her perfect boyfriend. Um, but as a result of that, guys, the, the worst thing in the world for a guy who makes women his mental point of origin is to offend a woman. And, got, and that's why when we talk about this, when like when your listeners got all crazy about you know not not apologizing, the yeah. reason is because so many people, so many guys are supplicative, supplicative. I think that's a word um, towards women, and women believe that they should be in that position. You should, they should always be the one who is apologized to. When's the last time a woman apologized to you? Really, when is the, and I would put this to anybody watching this or anybody listening to this, think about this. When was the last time a woman actually sincerely, genuinely said, you know what, sorry, I you know, apologize for something. I would say 90% of the time when there's an apology between a man and a woman, it's the man apologizing to the woman. You still with me? Yeah, yeah. What's the next one? Okay. All right. It says connect with her emotions. This is number, what is it? Nine. Set yourself apart from other men and connect with a woman's emotional landscape. Her mind is an alien world. <laughs> Indeed it <laughs> that, is. That requires deft navigation to reach your rendezvous. Frolic in the surf of emotions rather than the arid desert of logic. Be playful. Employ all your senses. Describe in lush detail scenarios to set her heart afire. Give your feelings freedom to roam. Roam, he says. Yes, that's a good word. Uh, you're not on a linear path with her. You're roaming. Pick it up on there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what what he's talking about here is playing with her and playing with her. Now, most guys won't do this because guys think that because they're in the the dominant alpha male role that that women should cater to his communication style, which is overt. Um, that should like women should just be rational. Women should just uh, change their way of thinking. So when I've talked about instinct, emotion, and reason, uh, those are the three aspects of these three interpretive processes that human beings have: is an instinct, emotion, and then reason. So those are the ways that we we you know realize our world. That's like expecting a greyhound not to run. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's instinct. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's instinct, which we all do. We all start with instinct. So if something like flies at me and I, I flinch, that's instinct that I'm behaving, something's coming at me. That's the natural response. Okay. Those are like, that's the most basic form of, of, of instinctual processing. The next one is emotion. Like how does something make you feel? The next one after that, of course, is, is reason and interpreting all of this information and, and then processing it. Well, women process naturally have a proclivity to process information in this, in this order, instinct, emotion, and reason. <clears throat> For men, the natural order is instinct, reason, and then emotion. And that's just the way that we are wired. Now, guys will say, well, I'm emotional too. Well, the reason that you're emotional is because it's been overridden. Your firmware has been overridden by the software that your female teachers and your feminine primary social order has mm -hmm. taught you since the day you were five freaking years old, okay? Um, so you think like a girl. And you're, you, you, you process information and instinct, emotion, and reason. What we were just talking about before, it's like, you know, you need to be emotional. Like and even this one, you need to allow her to be emotional. Fine. That's great. You know, play along into that, play along with her. But most guys, if they are dominant masculine alpha guy, they think in this way instinct reason and then emotion so they have some some instinctual understanding of what what the information in their world is then they apply reason to it now instinct is instantaneous usually it's it's something that's that happens right there in the moment reason takes longer reason is reason takes learning it takes it's a process of like recall recall and putting it out there and and then making decisions and doing behaviors based on what you've seen in the past emotion is how you feel about that now remember emotion is not some magical godly thing that comes out of of heaven on high okay it is uh, emotion is something that you feel physically we can we can prompt emotions with chemicals we can prompt emotions with like uh, roid rage right you if you have uh, steroids and you know synthetic testosterone in your system you're going to get pissed off you're going to you can go into anger and and aggression right oxytocin i can put oxytocin into your bloodstream and you're going to feel loving and kind and all this stuff so you're going to feel things an emotion as the result of a biological physical process so don't think for an instant that emotion has some sort of metaphysical quality to it it's not it, i mean we like to i mean i'm not saying it's not necessary it is but that was another way that human beings can interpret their their surroundings and interpret things and so when women opt for emotion that that's what they want to that's what they want to put their language and their communication styles and everything else through they want to put it through the emotional filter before they even get to reason if they if they even do get to reason for men it is instinct reason and then emotion so after we've interpreted what's going on maybe then we go god that made me feel like crap you know or oh gosh i'm sad because of this um so it comes but it comes after we've processed it through reason um so what what he's saying here is that you have to accept that part of a woman's nature. She's going to be emotional. You have to understand what she's going to be. And then, like he was saying before, you have to be the bulwark. You have to be the, the Don't lighthouse in the storm. Don't let her manipulate you with the Don't, emotions. Exactly. Stuff. And so, so it's important to understand that. And then the other thing that he's saying here is uh, that um, women want to play the game and they don't want to be told about the game. Now, I have a another post and I'll, now I'm going to have to put this one in the description. I have a post called appeals to reason. And the, the reason that I wrote that post was because, and this is something that guys do is we're deductive problem solvers. Right. We want to know how to get from point A to point B in the most direct line as we possibly can. So if a, if a guy wants to have sex, he goes, okay, 
A gets, uh, what, what's the most rash? What's the most deductive process for me to get sex? Well, I got to go ask a woman what, what it is she wants from a guy. Then I've got to be that. Then maybe I'll get sex, right? Though that's, that's his deduct, you know, male deductive reasoning. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is there's no emotion in that. There's no feeling in that. And so it's, it's just this kind of analytical dry, um, all it's like Mr. Spock trying to figure out how to, how to get with a woman. And women don't want that. They want to be playing in the game. They want to play that game. Now, most guys will say, well, I don't want to play any games with any woman because I'm the man and she's the woman. And, you know, and she's, she's just as equally rational as I am or she should be because they believe in egalitarian equalism. They she believe in the blank playful. slate. She wants that playfulness. Yeah, they, they believe, that, and this is what we're taught, this is what young men are taught, is that men and women are equals, that they're, they are functionally they are equal to the other and so if i'm rational and reasonable she must be rational and reasonable too right. so that's the way i'm going to no that's not the way it works and most guys know that instinctually they go okay i gotta appeal to her emotions all right so i want to get to number 10 and it's, it's ignore her beauty and let me set this up though too this is another one you know sort of like love when we talked about love on my local program a long time ago i, I was looking for a balance because if you say it too often it just becomes noise it, mm -hmm. it's meaningless it doesn't mean anything right if you don't say it at all, there's an emptiness. So what's what's the perfect balance? In in this beauty thing here, um, every woman, I don't care how young, how old, wants to hear that she's pretty, that she's beautiful. My mother's 83. She still likes to hear, you know, you look beautiful when she's mm. dressed up for church or whatever, wherever she's going, right? Right. They, they, there is a thirst, an intuitive thirst for that. So it says, the man who trains his mind to do the reward centers of his brain when reflected upon a beautiful female face will magically transform his interactions with women. His apprehension and self-consciousness will melt away, paving the path for the uh, the more honest and, and self-possessed interactions with the objects of desire. This this thing with me, in fact, I, I don't think I've shared this story on air, but I, I know a lady, she's a little bit over 40. And I think she was married twice, right? But she had never been told by a guy that she's beautiful. Mm. She's a very attractive lady. Very attractive lady. And it's it's like, seriously, nobody ever told you you're beautiful. And she's been married twice. And and you know that, but there's there's a thirst. Women, women mm -hmm. want to hear that too. And I'm I, I think I'm a little bit like you in this respect. I the only when I say things, it's genuine. I, I don't I don't you know say things to puff people up. I mean, if you're attractive, I'm gonna let you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But but if you're not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, if, if, if somebody says, does this make me look fat? <laughs> That's the one we were, we did a show on that before. But I, I, I'm just I'm straightforward with stuff like that. Right. But well, the, the, the beauty thing, it, it could be a two two year old granddaughter, you know, two year old mm -hmm. daughter mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody, somebody in their 20s or even like I said, like my mom, they want to hear that it's important to them. Yes, exactly. Because they understand instinctually that a woman's primary agency over men is her sex appeal is her how good she looks that's why it gets so disturbing for women when they hit that epiphany phase and they realize that their power over men is fading um when even when little girls are like four and five years old and they the little boys like fall all over themselves because they want to be they just want to sit next to them in the lunchroom that's power um for women who are like my mom my mom is all she'll almost be 80 she's going into an assisted living you know place and she still wants to have her hair done you know <laughs> she still wants to have my 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 sister-in-law come out there and do her hair right and and so she still is interested in that because she you know she still wants to look good she still has everything else I, with, okay. with 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 dads though in particular with kids <laughs> daughters mm -hmm. 
you you have if they if you don't get that if they don't get that from you they're going to get it from somebody oh yeah else. yeah yeah and I've, like, I've always been that way. Yeah. So well, but here's the thing. There's a difference between there's a difference between giving a genuine compliment right. and then like feeling like you are obligated to give that compliment. And it becomes and, noise. Well, it does because what happens is like my daughter's very, very beautiful. My daughter does pageants and she's, you know, she's a model and she's done a whole I don't want to get too much into that, but she a uh, very good looking girl and she does like to hear, you know, that she is gorgeous um but like for dad to say that it's like yeah hey, okay you know thanks dad kind of thing she's not looking for approve my my affirmation she's looking for outside affirmation but prior to that but prior to you know her she's 21 now but when she was a little girl she loved that man she loved yeah. to have that you know daddy likes this daddy likes me kind of thing and it it crosses over i mean there's it's kind of a double-edged sword because if you're if you're a really good looking girl then you you have to understand what your friends are going to think about you and there's always going to be those that those kind of clashes there because it's like the pretty right. girl and the mean girl um but what he's saying here is don't get too wrapped up in that it's it's okay um this this goes back to compliments um and i'm gonna sound really bad when i say this is that compliments need to be a reward for a woman they need to be um something that is positive reinforcement you don't just give a compliment to give a compliment uh, and i hate that, that that is like the game that has to, if, if you're thinking about it it becomes a game if you're not thinking about it it's just who you are um so when you give flat like when guy when a guy gives flowers to a girl it's usually because either a he's trying to get with her or he wants something like flowers are no longer just like a gift they're like an oblig they come with a price tag for a woman or it's or he messed up and so now he wants to give her flowers to make up for some, you know, misgiving that he did, right? We, we got a place here in Tulsa, Fine Airport Parking. It's by the airport. And and the the owner, Mike Fine, gives away roses to, to every customer that comes back. He gives you a rose to take home to your wife, right? And he was telling me, or wife or girlfriend or, you know, whoever. And, and uh, he was explaining to me that a lot of guys turn them down. And it was funny because I was standing at the counter with him one day and I watched two guys go through back to back. One guy initially said yes, and then he said, wait a minute, she'll think I did something wrong. And the other guy behind him said something similar, like, well, if I bring her something, she's going to think I was cheating on her or I did something wrong. So it's it's just what you're talking about. It's being, this is a, like a makeup gift for, for some offense. Right. It's an obligation is what yeah. it is. There's some, there's some subtext that goes along with that. So those are just like, you got to understand, like, I'm not trying to say like be a jerk and only give her compliments when she does, when she does desired behavior. But if you give compliments over and over again, or if, um, if she's beautiful and uh, like most guys do this, like they, they'll learn game and they'll, maybe they're virgins or maybe they've only had sex with a couple of girls or something and they finally they learn game and all they ever want to learn about game is just how do i get the girl once i get the girl i'll be fine right i don't need any red pill stuff rollo just tell me how to get the girl you, you <laughs> they, they practice all this crap right they get a girl and the girls maybe because they learned it well enough she's maybe one or two steps above him in sexual market value well now he doesn't know what to do with himself and he's trapped by her beauty because he's he's never unplugged he's never like uh, killed his inner beta he's never like really gone from blue pill to red pill um, but he did get the girl 
And so now he's trapped in a relationship that is not in his frame, or he doesn't feel like he can maintain that frame and he's going to lose her. And he, because he has this scarcity mentality, because he has this idea about one eye, he get he catches one-itis, right? right? And so her beauty is what locks him into really dangerous decisions and dangerous habits and right. you know dangerous ways of thinking. And so that's why it's you have to once you have. God, I don't know if I want to tell this story or not. Once you, um, once you have been with like a, a really beautiful woman, and that ends, sometimes it like it hits you harder because you're like, I'll never find a chick as hot as that, or she was a Playboy playmate or something like that. Or if you are, but if you're spinning plates and you are red pill aware and you have pre-selection and you have uh, options and you have other things, it's not as it's not going to affect you as much. And so what he's talking about is to ignore her beauty because it will put you into a frame of mind of you're, you have something to lose, right? Courage is, you know, sometimes courage is just like not having anything to lose. <laughs> and so if you have like other options, once you get like, once you have dated like a swimsuit model or a, or a centerfold or something like that, then you go, okay, I've got that. And it ceases to be that magical goal that you had since the time you were 14 years old. And you move on to something else because now you can ignore, you've been with one girl who was really, really beautiful. You can ignore the, if you can ignore her, her beauty, you can ignore pretty much any other woman's beauty because it is women's primary agency over you. If you can take that away, like if you say, hey, we're not having sex tonight or you turn her down for sex, <laughs> then that is like a blow to a woman's ego. Why? Because it removes that element of control over her and their primary oh, that, agency. That, that, that that's a, mate, a massive head screw. But you'd be like, oh, yeah. what, what's going on? What's wrong? Yep. Is there somebody else? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, what's the next one? Next one was be irrationally self-confident. Okay, which, no matter which what, one what, it was, what, what number are we on? Excuse me. Number 11. It's 11, okay. <clears throat> Irrationally self-confident, no matter what your station in life, stride through the world without apology or excuse. Does not matter if objectively you are not the best man a woman can get. What matters is that you think and act like mm -hmm. you are. Right. This is fake it till you make it. Uh, I'll, in in recent times, a lot of people have been saying that this is nonsense. That that you mm -hmm. should actually be who you say you are. Um, I think that when you're starting out, this is fantastic advice. And this is exactly the way you need to think, because this is the only way to kickstart yourself into the next level, um, to, uh, what is a 48 laws of power. It's like, think, uh, you know, all, never accept the roles that society places on you. Right. Or think like a king, or act like a king to, to be a king or think like a king. I can't remember what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but pretty much it's like if, when you treat yourself as as royalty, other people will see that. I'm not saying you got to, I'm really, well, maybe this is um, like when um, uh, Jordan Peterson talks about like, you know, stand up straight, stick your chest out, you know, make your bed, blah, blah, blah. Th those are really easy things to do. Well, why is that? Because it's sort of, those are the posture, that's posturing of confidence. And maybe you don't actually have that confidence because you don't have the options. But it, it has to start somewhere. And where does it start? You have to be, that's why he says, be irrationally self-confident because the reason it's irrational is because you don't actually have the bona fides to back up what it is that you're talking about. But it has to start somewhere. So, and this is, this is real controversial for women because women are always looking for uh, real genuine cues. They're looking for real signals from men. Um, the whole 
the whole thing about hypergamy and the whole thing about the the sexual filtering of men is based on women trying to discover whether the guy is actually who he says he is is he actually an attorney is he doing his residency in the hospital is he is he actually this guy or is it just some guy that i met at the club and he's really a bartender but he pretends to be something else and i mean to the point where they want to you know, they want to pass legislation that says if a woman has sex with you based on false that you presented right. yourself falsely that that's rape that's the that's where we're going with this that's where the next me too frontier is um so well why is that because she's looking for genuine cues so when guys get really sort of full of themselves like most beta most beta guys most blue pill guys hate the irrationally self-confident guy because they go and they build themselves up and they have they believe that they have real genuine equity but they doesn't get them anywhere it doesn't the equity card or the the uh the equity you know the equity card doesn't buy much for them but all this bluster and all these guys who are out there and they're running game and maybe they don't have anything like they're they're substanceless you know they're superficial and substanceless but those are the guys that women are reacting to. Those are the guys that, that women want to get with. And so here you are being like doing everything by the old social, you know, the old set of rules. And you think that women should, you know, only a quality woman would come. We wouldn't go for those guys. They'd come for me because I've built myself up and I'm Mr. Mr. Valuable and Mr. Dutiful. And maybe that works later on in life for them. But they believe that the guy who is irrationally self-confident hasn't put in his, he doesn't have the chops, right? He hasn't put in his time to warrant what he's got. Well, you still have to get off the ground at some point. So guys are going to, guys are going to probably be your worst critic when it comes to irrational self-confidence than women are. Women want that, you know, they want the genuine signals, but it's the guys who get pissed off at you because you didn't earn the, you didn't earn your confidence. No, no, for for example, what qualifies him to talk about that? Right. I get that yeah, all the time. Exactly like that. It's just, mm -hmm. No, okay. what qualifies you to talk? Yeah, we talked. I don't want to get it. No, no, <laughs> we talked about that. Before. That's a good example, though. And that's that's mm -hmm. because they feel threatened by that. All right, let's go to 12. Maximize your strengths. Minimize your weakness. And the betterment of ourselves as men, we attract women into our orbit to accomplish this gravitational pull as painlessly and efficiently as possible. You must identify your natural talents and shortcomings and parcel, parcel your efforts uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. It's like, I use the phrase of the program all the time, stay, stay in your lane, stay in your own right. lane. Find whatever it is that you know is, is your area of expertise, that's what you want to work on. Mm -hmm. If you spread yourself out over all this other stuff, you're never really going to be good at anything. Right. Play to your strengths. Yep. Um, I think he always, at the end of that, he says something to the effect that like there are groupies for every male endeavor except for World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, but yeah, I mean, you could be a plumber and you suddenly you're in the plumber, you know, social circle. And if you're the best damn plumber in the whole social <laughs> circle, there's social proof for you, right? Maybe that's not as glamorous as being in the liquor agents. Business or whatever, or being right. in talk radio or something like that, but um, but if you're if that's your local sexual marketplace and you're the best, you're the guy that all the other plumbers come to for advice. That's social proof. That's pre-selection. I've you, you know, know playing the, your strengths. Being in the radio business, I've had I've had women come up to me and say, "I wish my husband thought the way you did," or "I could find somebody that thought like you," or "My daughter could find somebody that thought like you." Mm -hmm. So you're you're pulling these people in, but that's that's what they find attractive. Right. I mean, you go look at a guy like Mike Rowe. You know, who Mike Rowe is Mike Rowe is like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's, I mean, he's like, he's like a man's man, right? He's salt of the earth. He's, and, and he builds, of course, that's his character that he's playing. But 
you know, that's the regular that he's regular guy. He's regular Joe, yeah. and, but he's attractive, regular Joe. He's the kind of guy that he's, he, you know, he doesn't have the, the, you know, the sexual pull of like, uh, but he's, got know, Brad Pitt, he's, got but he's got wit, right? Yeah. He's the guy yeah. that he's, he's like the apex of the guy that women want to have babies with. And so what, what's he doing? He's playing to the strengths of that particular character that he's playing, but you know, the, but there's ways there. Like, I don't think a lot of guys realize that they think that there's only one way to be an alpha and that's like Chad and you got to be out there and you got to have six pack abs and you got to be, you know, you got to sit in the tanning bed until you're orange. You know, that's that kind of stuff. You, it, you don't have to be that guy. You can be it within a context. And that's really, I think what he's getting into. Number 13, err on the side of too much boldness rather than too little. Yeah. I'll let you get into this one. They talk about t touching a woman inappropriately on the first date. We'll get you further with her than not touching her, her at all. Walk me through the details on this one. Well, I'm I'm going to be I'm I would say be very very cautious of that. Especially remember, the Me Too remember, I was going to say remember these rules were written before Me Too, so <laughs> so be careful. And I don't think that that's what he's advocating here, anyways. As far as like he's not saying you know be like creepy Joe Biden. Right? <laughs> he's just saying that you have to enter interaction with boldness, and that's part, that's a, one of the forty eight laws of power. Is you have to be able to be aud audacious, right? You you, you can you cover. We talked about this last week. Just something as simple, the power of touch, okay? Something as simple as holding a woman's hand. Mm -hmm. I, I, I cannot tell you how much value women put in that. To, to guys, it doesn't mean necessarily a lot. But the first time you do that with a girl, a woman, that she'll, she can probably tell you exactly when it happened. Right. That's how important it is to her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one of those... That's one of those things that's romantic to a woman, but you didn't even plan on it. That's why right. I keep telling guys, he's like, you're never going to get, you're never going to inspire romance in like date night or something like that because right. it's contrived. Romance is never contrived. It's something that happened in that moment. And maybe you can sort of, you know, direct actions and behaviors towards romance, but you can't overtly plan romance. You can't. Yeah. Anyways, I was going to say is, um, yeah, I mean, it's enter into action with boldness is is part of, I forget which law it was, but it's 48 laws of power. And that applies to pretty much anything. Most women are, like today, you're, what are you reading? I want to look at the next one. I'm trying to figure out how do I make this family friendly? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, so anyways, I, well, we'll move on. But I'm just going to say is that um, women today are not used to having a guy actually approach them or actually right. be... Right. Uh, in, in any way proactive. I mean, what, you know, we used to, you know, back in the pickup artist day is called sergeant, right? You, you, you want to go out there and make approaches and you want to see if you can generate, you know, um, IOIs, you know, in indicators of interest, those kinds of things. Part of that was Kino. It was like touching a woman and not like, you yeah. know, you know, hey, I'm going to give you a back massage kind of thing. It's like, just like, you know, this kind of stuff or just, you know, it, it's light. It's not, it's not offensive. It's not like, Hey bitch, come over here. I'm going to pull you into this club that, that, you know, especially today, it's a little, a little weird, but, um, but the overall, the overall rule is good. You need to be, you need to be bold. That's, that's with anything. So. 14. So I'm going to give you the sanitized version. Make love to her boldly, boldly. Yeah. Like it's going to be the last yeah. time you ever have like sex. a hurricane of desire. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Just drain her of everything. Then drain her some more. That's right. Just, uh, Beautiful. But that's, you know, ideally, that's what you should be going for every time. Especially well, yeah. If you've got desire. 
Right. And that's, and women would probably, I think you would have certain women, like if you, if you, if you could like in some way sanitize this for your radio audience, um, I think a lot of women would probably be okay with that because of, passion. well, passion, but also remember these, remember how many women bought, uh, 50 shades of gray. That's, Christian women, number one. Yeah, Christian right. women. Yeah, yeah there. You know, that's the thing is, I think a lot of guys. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, one ninety nine, Mysterium. I love you. I love you too, man. Um, but the um, the women want that. They want that. They want to feel alive. They want to feel alive when they're having sex. They want to feel. They, you know, it's not that women don't like sex. Women do love. They love sex. It's just that they're the way what they're looking for has to be far more specific for for them to do what was it i think it was robin williams said like a woman needs to have a reason to have sex and men only need to have a place <laughs> yeah so but so you have to sometimes like, they don't even need that right yeah, well yes. okay i'll give you another i'll give you a really quick example of this um like most guys don't understand this because they think because men and women are equal that she gets off on the same the same way that i get off which is right. in, incorrect um i used to i when i was gosh when i was in my late 20s i had a workout partner and his name was dean and this guy was six foot two and just yoked and ripped and he competed in bodybuilding contests and then like once a month he did a male all male review at one of the clubs up up here and um so he's my workout partner and we were talking about stuff and and um we got into the nuts and bolts of like what it is that these women want now a lot of the chicks that are there are like kind of divorcees and they're they're looking for you know they're they're for lack of a better word they're spinsters right but he said this is true for all women, whether it's young or they're old, is they're not just looking for the physical side of things. They need the fantasy side of it too. They need to, you, you can't just be the, the sexy hot guy on stage. You have to be the sexy fireman. You have to be the sexy uh, exec with a lot of money who also has a rose for her and gives it to her. And then he does his striptease kind of thing. There has to be sort of an element of story. So, there's to be a story behind it. It's not just, it's not just a physical thing. So I agree with Royce on this, of course, hundred percent. It's, it's figuring out how to consistently have that crazy, um, you know, in the first three months of when you first start having sex with a woman in the first three months of it, that's when you're having the crazy, you know, hanging off the chandeliers, you know, hot monkey sex. Right. And then oh, I want to move in. Right. Okay. So she moves in and then that's when things go downhill because you don't have that same intensity anymore because all of the things that, well, that made you a mystery, but also all of the things that like the competition, anxiety, the urge, the sense of urgency is gone. Think about all of the things that go into making for a good, hot sexual encounter with a woman, with your wife. Um, you can do those things, but you can't, again, you, you can't tell her about the game. You have to play the game. So you have to be the one that says, this is, this is the way we're going to have sex tonight. This is how we're going to do this. Um, you have to, and most guys won't do that. They won't do that because they're afraid that if they experiment that way, that their wife is going to say, I want a divorce. I'm out. I, I don't want to have anything to do with you. That kind of stuff. There are ways to go about that, which will take at least a show and a half to talk about. But I want to get into the rest of these. Yeah, let's get into the rest of these. Yeah. So 14, get. maintain your state of control. You're the oak tree. You got to be that pillar. You can't state be manipulated. Control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You cannot be manipulated by crying, yelling, mm -hmm. lying, head games, sexual withdrawal, jealousy ploys, pity plays, shit tests, hot cold, hot cold, disappearing acts, or guilt trips. Mm hmm. Yep. I was going to say is the number one 
way that men lose state control or they lose power is because they they give into their emotions. They remember what I was just talking about, how men are our natural proclivity as men is instinct, reason, and then emotion. But we're taught to be little girls, right? We're taught to act, you know, it's it's more, it's better if a, the young boy acts like a girl. So we teach boys, we override that, right? We teach them right. to put emotion and you need to express your emotion and you need to be, uh, you need to be in touch with your feminine side. And, you know, then girls will really like you because you're identifying with the feminine. Most guys do that. That's part of their, what I call beta game there. Every person has game. It's mm -hmm. just how effective is that game? Everybody has, even the most blue pill chump that you know has some inclination as to how to go from, from being single to getting with a girl. Now, how effective that actually is, is up for, you know, up for interpretation. But guys think that they can, that that's what's, you know, that's the direction that they need to go. So what is working for you? Is it, is it your emotional side or is it your rational side? And that's what he's talking about here is you need to get back to the way your natural male proclivity of using reason, being the strong guy, because that's what women are looking for. That's part of competence. That's part of power. And so most guys will, particularly beta guys, will give in to depression. They'll give in to um, really kind of a state of hopelessness through interpreting everything through an emotional filter rather than a rational filter. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't feel anything for sure. Feel stuff because that that's met, you know, your emotional side does make you human prioritize it differently. You need to be in control of your emotions. What How do you control emotions through reason? Let's get to number 15. And, and I want to spin off on this a little bit. It says, never be afraid to lose her. You must not fear. Fear is the love killer. Fear is the ego triumph that brings abject loneliness. You will face your fear. You will permit it to pass over and through you. And when your ego fear is gone, you will turn and face your lover and only your heart will remain. Mm. The, so it, what this reminds me of, and I bring this up on a couple of programs here. One of my favorite movies, Heat, Bobby De Niro, right? Robert De Niro plays Neil McCauley. He gives this little talk to Al Pacino at the bar or the restaurant. He says, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is, it, it's, it is especially the longer you're with somebody. You've been married for what? You said 20, 22 or 23 years? 23 now. years in you July. Can't, you, you can't just, you can't tell me that she could just walk out or you walk out and that you're not going to feel something there. Because you, okay. you got like 23 years built up. Because you have an emotional investment. Yeah, of course. I have a huge investment in my in my relationship because there's a lot there because of the relational equity. Now, what he's talking about here is he pulled this right out of Dune. I don't know if you ever read the, the yeah, Frank yeah. Herbert. Yeah, right out of Dune. Fear is the mind killer, right? I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Yeah, that's a very famous Dune quote. And anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I, I quote Dune quite a bit. Um, that's where this is coming from is fear is the mind killer. This is great because what what guys do is they they because they have a scarcity mentality they fear experimentation they fear giving themselves permission to do things they fear to like uh one of the reasons why guys have buffers is they fear rejection so they try to put something in between them and that rejection men experience rejection more than women do simple as that because we are the ones who are expected to initiate and, and I'm not saying that that's even the, well, we should change that. No, I'm not saying that at all. I, I'm not even, I'm not crying about that. I'm, I'm not saying anything different about that. You should be the one that is initiating and doing all of that. But there's a fear that guys have 
particularly when they're not they're in, they're not confident about themselves, they're not confident in their abilities, and whether it's dealing with a woman that they're already in a relationship with or they're trying to put themselves out there. I think that when he wrote this, it was more for the guys who are trying to run game on girls because there is that fear. That's that fear that she's out of my league, right? That's an iron rule of Tomasi, uh, number eight. Um, you know, don't never let a woman or always let a woman figure out why she won't have sex with you. Never do it for her. Well, why is that even a rule? Well, it's because guys fear. They fear that they're they 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 self-defeat. They they won't even put themselves out there because they already they already have lost the game. They in their heads, they've already lost the game. So they why even try? Why do I even want to bother with that? Because why should I get in a relationship with a woman? Because she's hypergamous and she's going to go and find Chad and I'm never going to measure up to the next biggest fish. Well, they don't think of those things through, but where does that come from? It comes from a state of fear. So you have to sort of move past that and give yourself permission. Well, people like guys fear to make themselves their mental point of origin because it's going to step on people's toes. They also fear uh, the idea of actually being responsible for their own actions. Like they don't know what it is. They, they don't know what to do. And then if they screw up, then they don't know. Like it's, it's, not on, it's not on somebody else. It's not because their supervisor said something. It's because they made the choice to do that thing. So they fear that. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of basic stuff. I mean, you can, you can apply this rule to things that are far beyond just intersexual dynamics. All right, so we've gone through all 15. Let's get to the super chats. All right, isn't it 16? We got another one? Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, you're right. No, sorry about that. We got one more. Oh, no, no, I would never be afraid to lose her. I must have jumped. What did I miss? I don't know what you missed. It says, maintain your state of control. Never be afraid to lose her with 16. Mm -hmm. air, oh, oh, air on the side of, did I do air on the side of too much? Yeah, I think it was never be afraid to lose her. Is it not, is, wasn't that the one? Never be afraid. That was the last one. We just did that. Oh, we did. I fear. Well, maybe we we're out, maybe we we're out of order. I don't know. Never be afraid to lose her. Never be afraid, afraid to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Connected with her? No, I think we went through. Okay, so I guess we went through all of these. All right, let's go to super chats. Somebody, somebody in the chat's gonna go. No, 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 dude. You oh, you missed this, this one. one. You missed this one. Okay, okay. I'm gonna do supers right now. Um, get them in if you want. Thank you so much for all of these. I'm hoping we can get to all of these before the end of the show. Uh, anyways, also, uh, real quick, make sure you hit that like button. Please hit the subscribe button and okay. also get the alerts because I'm doing. If anybody saw my interview with Hotep. Uh, Jesus on Friday. That was kind of a, a spur of the moment kind of thing that we did. Like we just, we've been talking about doing it for a while. And then he went on Joe Rogan and he said, let's, let's do it on Friday. So we did. So you would get an alert if you have subscribed and you're getting an alert. So please do that. Uh, let's get started with these. Um, do we want to do the bonuses last or do we want to just kind of, let's, let's just fire through these. Let's just, okay. Let's just fire through these. This is from Rob Cruz, 20 bucks. Thanks brother. Uh, salute to the rational mail and MLD. Oh, that's modern life dating. Yeah, John. Uh, the game never stops. Remember that everyone. Todd S. I don't know who you are, but thank you very much. Uh, no, excuse me. That's that was Rob Cruz. Uh, Todd S. Another twenty bucks. Thank you, brother. Uh, I think we have two separate definitions of vulnerability in Western culture. One is weakness, as you mentioned. The other is more along the lines of transparency. Uh, Alan, that's, Roger, that's a female definition of, of vulnerability. Right. In my Think right. So. Okay. Yeah. I have a, I've got like two really good posts. One of them call is called vulnerability. The other one is called surrender. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about my take on these, on the idea of surrender, like transparency. Well, okay. Here's the thing is guys are vulnerable without even know, knowing that they're vulnerable. I mean, if you're going to get into a relationship with a woman, you're vulnerable. Why? Because she's, she could very easily just, you know, manipulate you and, uh, 
uh, you know, run a me too, uh, scam on you of some sorts. Yeah. You're, you're vulnerable just for making the attempt. So that's, let's just be honest here. It's it, in Western culture. We have never been more vulnerable as men in being, being that we are making our approaches and we're, we're, we're instigating and initiating things, um, from a point of, uh, we could get raked over the coals for this kind of stuff. But if you want to read those, um, there it's vulnerability and then there's surrender. So go ahead and have a look at those. I've already answered this in those. I hate to just throw out a link there, but I want to get through these. Uh, let's see. This one is just, Hi, Rolo. Why, why, why do guys get friend zoned when they become her psychologist and emotional tampon? Isn't it alpha to take care of her emotions? I think it's from Rainier Lopez. Okay. It's one yeah. thing. It's okay. No, it's not because you are a man and she is the woman. Okay. If she wants to be with her friends and she wants to get emotional with her friends, that's fine. Because what have I always said? I've said that men or women have boyfriends and girlfriends. And if you're not having sex with her, you are her girlfriend. girlfriend. So if you adopt the role of communicating with her as a woman does, if you are pandering to her emotions, if you are holding her hand and, and if you're apologizing for yourself, if you're doing these kinds of things that, 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 work within her emotional frame and you're lost your lost frame right there should you uh what does he say uh isn't it alpha to take care of her emotions no it's not it's you need to be the bulwark as as roy puts it in here you need to be the lighthouse and storm is what you need and what is he said uh, uh her emotions are a tempest and you need to be the rock in that tempest that's that's exactly what he's talking about here so when so why do why do guys get friend zone when they become the psychologist and the emotional tampon? Well, that pretty much answers your question right there because they've decided to opt for the role of not being the man and not being the the primary in the in the relationship, and they've adopted the role of counselor, of beta, of good listener, of beta orbiter. Um, that you might as well be her girlfriend. Like I said, you might as well um, communicate with her. Uh, as if you if you communicate with her as a woman, her subconscious interprets you as a woman. That's why. Uh, what's the next one here? Um, this is Rainier Lopez for four ninety nine. Thanks, brother. Uh, hey, Rolo and Pat, what are your thoughts on men declaring love, propose proposing marriage? Society expects men to ask women, but there's a difference, right? Uh, I'm not really sure what you're getting at in that. Is there a difference from women asking men or, or men asking I mean, women? I think when it comes to marriage, traditionally, the guy asks the woman. I think what he's trying to ask him from freeing free this right. is if it, the guy, well, they, we covered this, this was number one on the list of the, the 16. Um, should the guy be the one to declare the love first? That's what he's no. asking. No. And and you should just rewind the tape here and, okay. and, and you'll find out why. Um, no, does society expect men to, to ask women? Not just society. Your biology it prompts you to be the one to initiate. That's natural just, order. That's the natural order. That's the way you evolved as a human being is as, as a man. Remember, you have like maybe I just need to run this out real quick here. You, as a guy, you have natural proclivities that are the result of a hundred thousand years of evolution. You are going to lean towards thinking certain things. Your brain is not wired the same way that a woman's is. Your your emotional state, the way that you interpret things through instinct, emotion, and reason, or instinct, reason, and emotion. Uh, that is the result of your uh, evolutionary firmware in the back of your head. That's just how you naturally are. Now, are can guys be different? Sure, they can because it's – think about it this way. You have hardware, 
firmware and you have software. Your hardware is your body and the way that you're you're wired and your your brain, your synopsis and your endocrine system and everything that goes into you to make you as a man, right? That's the hardware. Then there's the firmware. Those are the things that you have natural proclivities for. Um, throwing a ball. We have we have there are naturally things that men men have a proclivity for that women do not that then and vice versa okay so women tend to be more interested in people men tend to be more interested in things uh go look up dr St uh, steven pinker if you want to understand what the innate gender differences are between men and women that's the firmware then there's the software software is a society it's what you've been told it's the it's the nurture part of this whole thing the nature part is your hardware and your firmware the nurture part is your software can software override firmware absolutely you can teach a girl to throw like a boy right you can teach a uh you can teach men to quote unquote get in touch with their feminine side okay so what does that do that's an override of their natural proclivities as men to behave and to respond as men naturally would the thing I keep saying is since the um, since the sexual revolution, we have feminized our Western society to make men more feminine, whether that's like through soy or 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 it's just this, you know, it's a social engineering program is what it is. And it's not some Illuminati. It's not some like this, you know, you know cabal of you know fiendish people going how are we going to get all these guys? no it's decentralized it's at some point the ideology shifted to being pro-female after the sexual revolution sexual revolution is what prompted that so that when I'm, when i'm talking about like mental firmware when i'm talking about software for for men think of it in those terms all right what's the next one here because so my best friend was always alpha i was beta since i swallowed the red pill i'm becoming more alpha myself ken Two alphas be close friends. This is from Unpussified $20. Let me answer that one. Sure. Yes, you can. In fact, you can become best of friends unless you're competing for the same thing. Right. That's a good one. Okay. Yes, they can. Uh, what's it? Uh, hey, I've been meaning to ask you. Oh, this is pizza rolls. Thanks for the five bucks, man. I've been meaning to ask you. I remember reading on one of your old articles that you advise against boys being medicated like with Adderall. Why is that? Because we, oh, okay, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to answer this with one book. Go read um, The Boy Crisis by Dr. Warren Farrell. You will understand everything you ever wanted to know about how we overprescribe like Ritalin and Adderall and all of these. Yeah, all of the, like we overprescribe, well, we overdiagnose um, ADHD in boys. And why is that? Because we are primarily a feminine female um, uh, social order, but also uh, in our education, and we teach boys as if they're defective girls. That's part of that whole thing. Go read the boy crisis. And the, the Ritalin, especially in the you know, like K through eight, is used on boys like ninety plus percent boys as opposed to girls. Exactly it's, it's, because it's because boring. because boys acting like boys. Yeah. It, again, here oh, this is a great example. So boys instinctually, and then um, and their their natural proclivities are their um, what you got their excuse me their mental firmware is is set up as a boy, right? It's that's how they want to go out and they want to run around and they mature slower than girls, right? That's we know that from years and years of study, but we because we have a feminine primary education system if a boy acts like a boy then we got to medicate him we got to sedate him we got to put him in the corner over there until he acts like a girl until he starts learning like a girl until he starts behaving like a girl until he has an um, the emotional capacity of a girl then we're just gonna we're gonna feed him pills here you go you know we're gonna 
saltpeter, right? Just to you know, sit down and don't, and shut up kind of thing. And that's part of that's part of the education system. Right? Let me hit this one. It says, would you agree? Apologies from women are mostly a tool to simply absolve themselves from accountability, not to actually take responsibility. I believe it's more of a tactical maneuver to skirt an issue so they can move on. I, I would tend to agree that with that. When, when women say they're sorry, it's it's the word's perfect to absolve themselves, to get them out of that. They're not really sorry. Well, I shouldn't say they're not really sorry, but in a lot of cases, they're not, they don't have that genuine contrition. Mm -hmm. you know, they're sorry that it got them in this spot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, again, I, like I was before about apology rule here. Um, when was the last time you heard a woman apologize? I mean, to, for anything, but like to you personally, when was the last time a woman actually apologized to you? God forbid it would ever be at work, right? Or whatever. Um, I, I'm fortunate that my wife is at least self-aware enough to sort of check herself occasionally. Right? Mm. Like I, maybe it's from living with me or whatever, but like she will check herself and I will, I, sometimes I, like, I don't, it's not like I go, Hey, um, you know, you owe me apology. I don't, I don't, I would never say something like that because that's an obligation. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't want it. If I have to say you owe me apology, yeah. I, then it's not, it's never going to, it's you're already the pretenses. It's never going to be a it's genuine pretty, thing. Yeah. So it's like, if she doesn't come to it on her own, it's not genuine. And that's, that to me is the more important thing. Um, now she, you know, maybe she doesn't really need to apologize for anything, of course, but, um, I would say that men tend to apologize more than women. Yeah. Um, let's see. I got, there's one last one up here that I think we missed. It says, hi, why, oh, this is YOLO. Um, hi, why don't, why don't women stop nagging sometimes until you explode? How does she understand this behavior? Why don't we pass the test when we lose our cool? Um, well, I'll, I'll answer that last part. The first part we've talked about nagging like ad infinitum, I think. Um, but the reason women nag primarily is because they, um, they, uh, there's a part of their subconscious that doesn't think that you are competent or doesn't believe that she, you are the best that she can do. That's why women right. nag. It's, it's, it's when she's nagging with you, it's a conversation with herself. She's trying to figure out why she's still with a guy who is, who can't like fix the sink or can't, you know, change the oil in the car, the, that kind of stuff. So there's this, or why don't you go out and mow the lawn? You know, well, it's not about the lawn. It's about her subconscious having a conversation with her conscious and saying, is this guy really, you know, somebody I want to spend the rest of my life with now? Why do we lose our cool? Well, this is the good one. Um, well, we lose, we, when we lose our, our cool, we lose state control. Um, the number one thing, particularly for men, the number one thing that leads us to bad decisions is anger. And it is sometimes it's, you know, it's warranted, but when you are in, because we have that proclivity is to be, to be, we, we default to anger, whereas women default to tears. Um, so when we do that, we make bad decisions. We, that's when we become, you know, <laughs> that's when we become freeway shooters, right? <laughs> hour rule where if I'm, if I'm, there's a situation, whatever it is, I give myself 24 hours to, actually respond to it especially if it's something very important because things can look very different in 24 hours and you're going to say or do something that would not have been what we would have done instantaneously i by, by the way you say anger is the number one thing that leads to bad decisions i thought you were going to say sex is the number one thing that leads to bad decisions well yeah that i mean well when we're talking about emotional states okay yeah gotcha. sex sex leads to bad decisions as well. well but see what did you what got the things that got you to that sexual point 
that's that's maybe what you need to deal with more than the actual sex part. Like every guy wants to have sex, but what is it that got you to sex that you're going to regret or that you're going to um, that, that's going to get you in trouble life wise? Like that for for decisions that you made. Um, do you want to get to those? Like I think we're done with these. Do you want to get to the bonus question real quick, or, oh, or do you have do you have time? You can actually do a program on this uh, another time. The creep. I want to do the creepy one. Okay. In fact, we should probably do a, do a show on that, either on my local show or or, or on the Rational Mail here, sure. one hundred one. Yeah, it, creepy. It's it's a word that has become weaponized and used against you know men, and, and we get a whole uh, segment on what what constitutes creepy, because mm -hmm. behavior from what and it's it's a lot of times it's dependent on looks or status, physical appearance or or status. For example, if the lady's on a you know at the treadmill at the gym or doing the stairs, whatever, and, and there's some guy that's looking at her a little bit too long. If it's a handsome guy, that's not a problem, right? Mm. But if it's you know some jerk in a in a in a in a wife beater, all of a sudden he's creepy. So what yeah. what what kind of, it is it's like a, a word that's this overused it's like the term racist. It's just thrown around loosely and it can mean a lot of different things. It's it's a compartment word. It can mean right. whatever you want to mean at any given time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have a three-part series about why it is that women get creeped out by a guy. Um, it's called The Creep. It's a, a three-part series. Um, primarily, when women find guys creepy, it's because that guy already checks off the boxes for a guy that she doesn't want to have sex with, that she doesn't want to, to have. She doesn't want him to think that he has a chance with her. And so there's that kind of creep aspect of maybe we should just we should probably just do a full a full show on this guys aren't picking up the social cues and they're staying too long That's well part of the problem. here's the thing what what the primarily the, i think the problem is is that women believe that men should police themselves they should police their desires they should police their um uh they they should know that they're betas they should know that they are not somebody that that a woman will want to get with and so therefore they should not even bother approaching them because if they do, then they're creepy. Because they miss social cues, yes, for sure. That's that's an aspect of it. But uh, I mean, the joke is this: is like the hot guy goes into the office and says, "Hey, great, looking great, Susan," and she, she's like, "Oh, you know," because she really wants to get with the hot hot guy. And then the big fat dude comes in and he goes, "Hey, looking great, Susan," and she calls HR, right? <laughs> because she thinks that he's a creep. Well, the thing is, is the the within an instantaneously the guy who is more sexually attractive the guy who is more obviously somebody she would want to reproduce with as opposed to the other guy the other guy should know better and then the other guy gets a break remember what i said women make rules for beta men and they break rules for alpha men so they can say well that's creepy for a guy to come up and approach me unless he's brad pitt right unless he looks good unless he had unless he's an alpha guy she's going to break that rule and that happens in a millisecond because she sees the guy and she goes, yeah, I'll break the rule for that dude. And then she sees the guy who is maybe less attractive. Now, those are two extremes. What about the guy who's right in between those guys? What about the guy who is, he's, he's got a little bit of social gravitas. He's not quite as good looking as Brad Pitt, but he's not looking like Seth Rogen, right? So he's not, he's the guy that's in between. And that's the guy that has the most problem because a guy who knows he's unattractive or no, he knows what he has to do. He's got to work on himself. He's got to build himself up. The guy who's already the natural alpha, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? It's the guy that's in the middle. And that's where the me too crap happens because women decide that they want to have sex with them or it's it's more it's more convenient to have sex with them 
then have this awkward thing go and not have sex with them. And that's where you get that gray area. And unfortunately, there's a lot of money in that gray area right now because of me too. I got one last one here. Redman Anon hit me up. He says, not going to lie. I think demo versus oh, demonstrate versus explicate can destroy potentially good relationships when it comes to friends sometimes it's better to explain and if it's not taken seriously then demonstrate what do you think um i think that explaining yourself if that is your first impulse then that i, I think that comes as a, a, almost like a buffer Okay. It's like, I have to explain this and I have to, I have to let everybody know, um, what it is that I was thinking rather than it means my actions or the way I was demonstrating was interpreted, interpreted differently or was interpreted in a way that I didn't in, intend it to be. So it's not that explanations aren't necessary. It's that demonstrating things and doing stuff, doing the work, going out there and proving that you, your actions are going to be always going to be more intentional and are always going to speak loud like you know actions speak louder than words right um does that mean you don't say anything no of course you it, it, again it's this goddamn you know binary stuff it's like well should i just demonstrate or should i just explicate no it's not okay can you you know sometimes an explanation is necessary you've got to say something to 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 tell somebody that you know hey you interpreted that the wrong way like what was i saying before about apologies right if i'm going to say hey look you interpreted that wrong. I'm not going to give you an apology. I still have to explicate. I still have to say that. But that's one instance. The other instance is this, is if a woman says, I want to go on a, a girl's night out. Okay, well, then the medium is the message, right? And I have to set a boundary. And the way, the best way to explain, the best way to set that boundary is not to explain it, but it is to demonstrate what those boundaries are. Because boundaries are ineffective unless there is teeth in them, unless there, unless it hurts, unless there's something that goes along with it. There has to be consequences to a boundary. So that's another thing. So what's what's better is it better to demonstrate your boundaries or is it better to explicate your boundaries well if you're if you're all you're ever doing is explicating your boundaries then you know you're you're a paper tiger you haven't you, there's nothing to you um, we can we can do the creeper thing on a, on another yeah we'll have to do that i got another real quick one here uh, christian gray i'm going through the tarzan effect why can't i seem to attract any women 50 to 60 approaches no numbers or and hookups easier during blue pill and purple pill days to spin plates. Okay. What is the Tarzan effect? Okay, I, I, good question, man. I have no idea what you're talking about with the Tarzan effect, but here's the thing. If you're spamming approaches, if you're doing 50 to 60 approaches, first of all, I think this is BS, okay? So let me tell you right now, Christian Gray, because guys will say this, well, it's, uh, you know, it's all these pickup artists, they think that it's a numbers game. No, it is not a numbers game. It is a persistence and a consistency game, okay? I'll give you the, the example that I always give, and it is this, is that go out and make one approach every weekend with a new girl. Promise yourself. Say, you know what? It's Friday night. I'm going to go out and make a make an approach. If it fails, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to figure out what's going on. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to adjust. I'll, I'll try to calibrate a little bit. Maybe you want to do two in a, a weekend, whatever. Don't do more than one or two. But if you do one consistently every single weekend for a year, you've done 52 approaches. And that is more approaches than most guys will do in a lifetime. So if you're spamming approaches that and it's not, and nothing's working for you, it's because you're spamming approaches because you're not taking it seriously. Now, I don't think that you are even doing that because most guys don't have the balls to, to spam 50, 60 approaches um, 
you know, in an evening or a weekend or whatever else it is that you're doing. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know what the Tarzan effect is. So maybe you can like email me or let me know in the, in the comments here. So anyway, all, right, so all right, we got to get out. All right, you guys. Um, thank you very much for another great show, Mr. Campbell. Back here Sunday. Yeah, we will be. Uh, let's see. Is anything else going up? We're going to be back here Sunday. Um, I will be doing uh, Rule Zero, uh, which is our sort of pass around show that's going to be going on on Saturdays. Look at my Twitter feed for that or subscribe to me. Subscribe to Ryan Stone. Subscribe to uh, all the guys in uh, that are the regulars and you'll get a notification at some point. Um, just just something we're doing right now. Uh, I, we just want to have some, you know, group chat kind of thing. And, and we'd like to include you guys as well. Uh, I will be on Pat's show. Let's tell them what sure time. We're going to do that on Friday. I will let you know by Wednesday, no later than Wednesday. Okay. Sounds good. All right, man. Good show. Thanks for, thanks for watching. And again, if, uh, please hit the uh, subscribe button, please hit the like, like button. button. And if you have any questions about anything we talk about in the show, then, uh, hit, hit me up in the comments. Share on social media too. Yep. That's good. Okay.